and she didn't mock me as we started. The world must have frozen over or something. She's she's distracting with not. Yeah, yeah, she's distracted with the devil spawn. So I am good. She didn't mock me. So hey, hey, that was my mother you're talking about. Well, I thought it was the Viking, but uh, your mother's <laughs> nice. I like her. She gives you a hard time, so I have to be her friend. Um, hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blaze podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place, and dogs rule the world. So without further ado, we're going to let Miss Ginny Koch introduce herself to our listeners and viewers. Hi, I'm Ginny Koch. I write the Alien Catherine Kitty Cat series for Daw Books. I also write under a variety of pen names and in every length and genre. And this is Leo, a.k.a. The Little Prince. And the reason he's here is too long a story to tell, but he's apparently going to be with me the entire podcast. Won't that be, won't that be adorable? So here he is. I, mean, I think it's adorable. If you weren't Leo thinks he's adorable for other reasons, I mean, it's just an adorable little thing. So you could make it a signature. I could. I could. He is small enough. I He has... I bought a purse for him. I can actually carry him in a purse because he's only like seven pounds. So I've he has a. Uh, I've seen there's a lady in our neighborhood who has a similar kind of dog that pushes hers in a stroller everywhere. Yes, we have we have a couple of those. Oh, good. There's the other dog, Dash. Dash, please be quiet. Oh, it's gonna be that kind of night. Dash, come here. Come here. So uh, the other part yeah, of the introduction. Because he's jealous because you're holding Leah. He is, and and Daddy Dog is not at home because he's on a business trip. So Dash is super, super on guard for nothing. That there was apparently an air molecule that moved in a shifty manner. So as they do. But uh, the next part of the introduction, dear listeners, how we found them. So this was another one of those where Doc put her bossy pants on and said, "You will be here, and you will do this thing." So here I am doing this thing. So Doc, what bar did you meet Jenny at? Actually, I didn't. Um, I have been reading Jenny for years. And then when Mel Todd said she knew Jenny, and I went, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I want her on the show. And so so that's how that happened. All right. She said you're gushing. Shut up, Doc. So. No, 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 no. It wasn't her. I'm trying to shut the dog up. Okay, gush away. <laughs> I'm trying to shut my beasts up who have now run to the back door so they can bark there, telling me to let them out in the backyard. I can't let them out into. All right. So, Doc, chaos. you get to ask her. It's chaos. It's the best kind. Doc, you get to ask her the most important question of the night the religion Ooh, okay. question. Okay. Where on yeah. earth did you pick these, JR? Total Recall, Demolition Man, or Armageddon? I just typed in 90 sci-fi and I got the top three. I try to theme them. I, well, yeah, no, no, no. We're going to go wait. better because I've read the series. Roswell, New Mexico, the show. Um, I was already happier with the movies. Oh, okay, fine. We'll go with the movies. <laughs> Roswell's more paranormal anyway, so that would be fantasy. Or, no, it's well, here's the thing. Aliens. Oh, you know what? Armageddon has Ben Affleck, and I think Big Ben is pretty damn hot. So Armageddon for ben, for Big Ben. Uh, I love Demolition Man, though. Um, in fact, there are Demolition Man references in book 17, Aliens Like Us, which I'm in the process of, of the rewrite. But uh, yeah, no, Demolition Man is a great movie. So, but do you tackle the most important question of all? 
It's it's like the secret of the universe, which we all know is 42, is how uh, do you use the three seashells? Have you tackled that important question? Because I still I have want to not. Know. I have not. I have not tackled that. My All aliens right, don't you... care. My aliens go to the bathroom <laughs> like the rest of us. <laughs> All right, Doc. The next one is is important. Let's see if you can Hoc- get this one right. Hocus Pocus, Practical Magic, or the Page Master? Practical Magic. All of them were good, so you could have gotten a pass with either one. I got to go. Uh, okay. Um, my father-in-law was a best boy grip in Hollywood, and I got to actually go to the Hocus Pocus cast and crew premiere. So nice. Practical Magic is still better. <laughs> I love Bette Midler. But uh, um, I'm just really glad that Biggs grew up to be uh, Timmy McGee on on NCIS. That yes, made me did. far happier than it should have. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. You could pinch his cheeks and say, you remember when. I do. I do. Many of us remember when. Anybody who watches that movie and goes see NCIS can remember when. It's like a Halloween tradition in this house, so I get it. It is. You know, I get it. I I was too old for Hocus Pocus when it came out. It wasn't iconic for me. It was just a cute kids movie and there's the cast and aren't they nice and bet isn't there and that was who i was hoping would show up and she didn't so i was just like eh so my father's like did you enjoy it i'm like well bet didn't show you because you thought she would i'm like well oops spraying a journal but uh you know but it was it was it's a fun movie and i get why people love it i just like practical magic better when i love came, practical uh, Mag- i think that was the, the first movie where i read the book also after mm-hmm. so yeah the book and the movie, though, are very different. And then the That's Practical Magic typical. movie had a series that came out with the same name that was also very different. It yeah. came out in uh, early aughts on TV. It only got like half yeah. a season. before it got I, yeah, I did, yeah, I, I didn't watch it. it the clearly. name similarity in that case. It wasn't even like they weren't related IPs. It's possible. Yeah. Uh, but I think the confusion well, they were, was enough. No one that could tell. <laughs> there was enough confusion that it doomed it for, for not being faithful adaptation. So if it was yeah. intentionally a different IP, then they should have picked a better name. Yeah, I agree. I agree so, wholeheartedly. We here love sci-fi and fantasy, but okay. which was your first love, sci-fi or fantasy? Mysteries. Mysteries, nice. Mystery, yeah, I was a mystery girl. Um, my, so my reading progression, mysteries, you know, after the kids' books and stuff, and and all of, many of, much of my reading overlapped, but, um, mysteries of all kinds i was reading sherlock holmes at seven and i just That's some heavy reading loved, and not not in my world jr just so you know we were having a discussion of how many books have been read and i'm like trust me i'm more than you um just because of age just because of age alone i'm more i'm more than him um but uh yeah so i was reading sherlock holmes at, at seven um and oh henry by the way and um he's still in my mind oh henry's still the master of the short story and he wrote everything he uh, i mean there were some that you could abs- absolutely he wrote fantasy um he didn't really do science fiction but he did everything else and so but mysteries were my big thing i loved mysteries and through mysteries i also did a lot of autobiography and biography reading um and then i had worked all the way through every mystery in the library system in the town i grew up in and i'm at the main public library demanding at 12 to know why the new next nero wolf book isn't out and the librarian looks at me and goes it it came out last week and i'm like well i've read it already and at that point that woman didn't kill me and she said she said and she said because she knew i'd read everything else right she said 
let me take you somewhere. And she took me to horror. I don't know whether it was because they just had a big horror section or she hated me. Um, but I read horror. I read all of horror, right? Maybe I read all the way your through parents. horror. I, yeah, well, <laughs> she wasn't alone in that. Um, and uh, so read all of horror and then got into, um, basically, I hit Stephen King's Night Shift collection of short stories. And after I had read that, I don't know, 10 times, I realized that I was having nightmares and I believed horror and I literally couldn't read it anymore because I realized that I believed all of it and his stuff was so chillingly possible in my mind that I couldn't, I couldn't keep going. So I had to move. So I moved over to, well, I, I, I always read humor as well as everything else. So I was probably back and forth, still mysteries because new mysteries were coming out and autobiographies and blah, blah, blah. And then um, I got into science fiction. So science fiction would have been before fantasy. Um, my grandmother was always into hard science fiction. I mean, she loved it. She said she wanted to read what the world would be like, even if she wouldn't live to see it. And so I started reading science fiction, hard and soft, read all through that. And then um, uh, had a literary, had a whole literary slew um, in there of, oh, it's, I joined the literary book club and read every book they had kind of thing. And, and realized somewhere along the way that I didn't actually like it. And I went right back to genre. I had a few forays into like gothics and westerns and some of that stuff. And then uh, stumbled onto Terry Pratchett's Discworld, which was my main, I'd read other fantasy, but Discworld was really it for me. And then I read, you know, everything in fantasy and, and so forth. And uh, there are books that I haven't read now, but um, there weren't, <laughs> back in the day, there weren't a lot that I hadn't read. And uh, I thought originally I would be known for fantasy and novels set in the Old West. And instead, somehow I turned into science fiction's funny girl. And I, just, I don't know how that happened. Literally 75% of what I write comes out science fiction, whether I intend it to or not. Touched by an alien. I didn't, I wasn't supposed to be science fiction. Um, but we'll get there because I know you have a question that relates to it. I'm going to save that answer for that question. So did you. Somebody who prepped and read. No, we talked in the pre-show, but I haven't sent you the questions because yeah. we were we were cutting this one close. Uh, most of the time, we like the people to have the the questions a week in advance, but life's been a little hectic. I got them. Well, oh, I got them fifteen minutes in advance. No, no, it was four hours in advance. Pardon me. <laughs> so yeah, woo, plenty of time. And he gave me four. Wait, wait. Out of he's like, well, twenty question twenty six is to you, and I'm like, I saw four things. I didn't see twenty six things. I didn't see question one. Okay. I got questions I only... 11, 12, 13, and fourteen. He says, "Can what can you answer on these?" I'm like. Whatever you want, I'm I'm confused about the process. So, so, so questions worry, so for for those yeah for those that are, are curious now we have a template that we use and then obviously if they don't have military service we don't ask those questions and for the fandom questions if they don't have a story to tell uh, no it gets boring with a lot of dead air so we just cut those questions. <laughs> oh, honey, so, don't worry. No, no, they there's know no how dead air. There's no dead air if I'm on your podcast. There's no yeah, dead air. There's a lot of cut, cut, but no dead air. <laughs> Did you uh, read Louis Lamore then when you were reading your Louis, Western phases? It's, it's Louis Lamore, and yes, yes, I did. She's he is also fun. 
he is um he is my patron saint but not because of his writing he is my patron saint because of his work ethic he had um over 350 close to 400 rejections before he sold one thing and this was in the day when you typed it out and you carefully put it in an envelope and you mailed that manuscript whatever length to the editor and you sat there and you prayed that the editor did not spill coffee on it because if they rejected it they would send it back with a little note saying it was rejected and you'd send it out again the same thing and what he did his his process was when that those stories went out when they came back often enough that they were too dog-eared to send he had a box under his desk he turned them over in the box and he was working on something else and so almost 400 rejections before he gets sold and now he is louis l'amour and everyone knows his name when he died his family found this box in his office and they turned it over and it was all his south sea stuff so he basically left his family this fabulous legacy that he didn't know he was leaving these are rejected stories that he never thought about again because they hadn't made it and boom they're in that box so all the south sea stuff came out posthumously man a freaking monument to perseverance so anytime someone says oh i got rejections i'm like oh you know we're close to louis l'amour so don't stop whining and send it out again so yeah i love publish that. it yourself why wait uh <laughs> there's reasons to what you know self-publishing is the best thing that's ever happened to authors and it's also the worst thing that's ever happened to authors because you can publish it doesn't mean that you should it doesn't mean it's ready it doesn't mean it's ready and a lot of people um there are really really good business reasons to self-publish um but most uh, on average okay um you can always single out the people who have done it for the right reasons but most people are just doing it because they don't want to be rejected um or they don't want to go through the process or they think that no one can edit their brilliant deathless prose and they're wrong and there's i don't know i think it's pretty rejecting if you put a book out and no one buys it uh i find that way more rejecting than an editor or an agent saying not for us um but that's me okay your mileage may differ but um it's great if you can do it for the right business reasons you can really make good money i know lots of people making great money self-publishing oh my god now one of my cats is here every animal wants in on this podcast apparently <laughs> we are kind of cool amazing. i get it you are you are but, well we'll see anyway doc, so one doc of the cats likes, will, should be up shortly doc just likes anyone who tells me i'm wrong that's like her criteria for friends <laughs> list i think at this point no well it is louie not well, louis not so there we go you that you're wrong but then again not all of my friends have been on the podcast and some of them i knew before you this is true this is so, fluffy death this is fluffy uh, death um so, if you've read wait let me let me this this is important if you've read the alien series and you've gotten to where jane where a there is a jamie and b she has a poof this is moose moose oh so, so there down you go so what, okay what that's three out of four let's see when the others demand their 15 minutes yes jr so what was your first memory of engaging in speculative fiction then was it reading at the library or games TV wow shows? that was engaging in speculative fiction that was very professorial um <laughs> when did i, I first I engage can. in speculative fiction uh lying to my mother about why i was late 
I'm sorry, you were drinking. I'm sorry. We have rules. I I I, I apologize. <laughs> no, you're glory. You're I fiction a lot. Okay. So what was the best one you had for why you were late? Oh, <laughs> oh, I can't give out trade secrets. Children need to figure out that out on their own. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, that's part of, that's the growing up rights. Can you fool them? So, uh, so sorry, none no, of those go, those go to the grave. I pass, I'll pass them on to my granddaughter. <laughs> so, evil. I like it. Yes. Yes, it is. Not my daughter to my granddaughter. So, yeah, no. so what was your first sci-fi or fantasy read? Uh, oh, um, what was the first romance where men were normal? Um, oh, I'm sorry. Was that my out loud voice? Was that my out loud voice? I'm so sorry. Um, a wrinkle in time okay so yeah and so, i think that's probably true for a lot of us i'm still waiting for that tesseract you're not getting it it could happen well you might not get it other people may have it but what? you might not get it you know i think she's saying nobody likes me it's okay <laughs> all right i'm but saying pronounce my name right or else <laughs> So, so what is it about speculative fiction as a genre that you enjoy so much? Well, it is, I like that you, let me, I'm gonna, the, this is a dinosaur's room, the earth comment. Um, back in the day, literally everything that we've divided out into science fiction, fantasy, paranormal, horror, you name it, you know, dark this, dark that, all fell under the speculative fiction banner. And so I do th actually think of myself as a speculative fiction writer much more than a science fiction or paranormal or fantasy or horror or whatever um so i really like that you're actually using the term because it turned um in the like somewhere in the 90s it was turning into like speculative fiction was this narrow thing that anything that wasn't science fiction fantasy epic horror etc could fall under um i just like that that you get to play around with what if i mean you could i could throw almost anything under i can make a case for almost anything being a spec speculative fiction um so um it's you know it's all in how you want to spin it most of the categories exist for bookstores and libraries they don't they and they exist in some ways for readers but it's more because re some readers like to limit themselves as opposed to it makes it easier for them to find um so i just i like that you get to do whatever you want to do i i, I like, like that she pointed out that it limits you because jr yeah. and i have this debate all the time about all this little subgenres, and i'm like people aren't like that people aren't like that hardcore readers are not why limit yourself it's great if you're trying to buy online these little like niche things mm -hmm. like academy fantasy academy boarding school girls boarding school military it's right. great because you have no bookshelf to go perusing but really right. after that it's just a tootie well it's it's really it exists to make it easier for libraries and bookstores to shelve and um there are readers and every time i'm in a bookstore and i say this all the employees heads just start doing this so i'm gonna say where the nod starts romance readers will read 
anything if there's a whiff of romance in it you could have written an economics textbook that somehow you've included a romantic subplot in and if that subplot actually is satisfying and gives a satisfactory answer a romance reader is going to find it they're going to read it they're going to tell all their friends about it in your economics textbook that has a romantic subplot being used as an example will suddenly rocket up the charts romance readers don't care where they find the book okay omnivore readers don't care where they find the book but every other genre group thinks all the other other genre groups have cooties and therefore they can't go over into that section because it's got cooties on it they can only go to the horror section or the sci-fi section or the fantasy section because romance or mystery or westerns have cooties and vice versa the western people think science fiction has cooties everybody has cooties okay except the romance readers who will go anywhere because cooties don't scare them oh my so. god okay i am laughing so hard because i worked at barnes and noble for like two two and a half years uh-huh at Cumberland Mall, and I would literally one day I said, "Romance readers are slutty. They'll read anything with anything. romance as long yeah. as there is romance." Yes, yes, and, but they will. And then we literally had a guy, and I looked at him with a dead straight face because he was fussed because mm -hmm. Barnes and Noble sci-fi and fantasy, which works really great because you do have the yes. genre fluid. Most of our classic, truly good pillars of the genre are genre fluid. Even David Weber's right. written some fantasy. Um, yes. and so, and I'm like, yeah, but then you don't know where to go get the book if you separate sci-fi and fantasy. But this guy was literally talking about it. And I looked at him and I went, I'm sorry, are the fantasy books, did they, did they upset you? Did they like, yes, they did. And I'm like, did they, are, are I don't, I they don't hurt think, you are they going to give you a, 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 um, are they giving you a disease? I don't think they're contaminating the sci-fi books, but I can double check for you if you would like. And he looks at me and he goes, yes. And he like storms off. And I looked at him and I went, I didn't even get to ask them if the fantasy books touched him in the wrong place. They no, touched right? him in this no-no place, clearly. And my clearly. manager is looking at me and going, go to the back, go to the back, get it all out of your system. I'll be back there to listen in just a second. Because go away. Yeah. No, no, no. It no. was just the... Mm -hmm. She yep. was like grabbing me and she's like, we need to go to the back because she knew I had a fabulous response and I just need to get it out of my system. And she and it I is a fabulous response, but that is actually how they all act. And so it, the categories matter. Um, and it's hard because you have to start categorizing See, your book in ways that you didn't necessarily do for, when you were writing it. Yeah. For me, I find it interesting because I was never, I never viewed myself as an omnivore reader, as you put it. Mm -hmm. I've only read sci-fi and fantasy unless I was forced to read something out outside of that box until mm -hmm. I was 30. Mm -hmm. And then I actually read some mystery. Okay. I did yeah. read a few horrors, but that's another story. Um, I, I was homesick and I was missing my friend who wrote horror novels. So I was reading yeah. his novels and that was a bad idea. Um, but you know, he, he may have had one where I woke up screaming and I thought my, right. I mean, good horror scares you. That's what yeah, it's supposed it, it to be. Very do, scary. So. But, yeah. um, but yeah, I didn't read willingly read or enjoy anything outside of sci-fi and fantasy till I was mm -hmm. in my thirties. Yeah. So, cause the other books had cooties. So, no, I never had that interesting. Problem. 
And, and, and it just, it just, everybody is different. That's why, I mean, I like the omnivores because they will really read anything. I was an omnivore reader, even though I was reading like everything in mystery. That didn't mean I didn't read the humor book. It didn't mean I didn't read something else as it came to me, but I was. So I should use omnivore, on not what? Yes, omnivore I mean, is, you know, it's a little more. I'm going to be the one who gets us in trouble tonight, aren't I? It's okay. It's part of your time. I see nothing wrong with being one. I, I have talk no problem. You can say slutty. I have no problem with slutty. I had people tell me that they liked Kitty even though she was a slut. And I'm like, wow, I guess I lived a lot more interesting life than you did before marriage. She uh, is so not. I know. I know. Kitty's but amazing. I got... Thank I, I, you. I so. All right. So what is it? How did your love of, of speculative fiction, the whole umbrella term, transition into you writing stories in that space? Oh, it didn't at all. Um, I mean, I don't I, I can't even see. Uh, like I said, I thought I was going to be writing uh, epic fantasy and novels set in the Old West as opposed to the the stuff I'm actually writing I mean, today. There's still that time. You can do it. Oh, there is. Oh, don't worry. No, no, no. I have um, Natural Born Outlaws, uh, book one of the Legend of Belladonna is out on graphic audio. So don't worry. The Old West is out there and I'm late on book two like everything else. Or like Bane. Um, Bane has a sci-fi weird, a sci Western sci-fi anthology coming out. You know? I'm in it. Oh, I'm in I was going to say, I might know somebody who could get you in Gunfight. there. <laughs> I'm already in it, babe. Gunfight on Europa Station. Yes. Uh, my story is uh, Showdown on Big Rock 27 with is me writing as Anita Ensal. So, ah, that's so, why yeah. I didn't recognize your name from it. because My name's on the cover because <laughs> my editor said, I sold it as Ginny Koch. I don't care what you write under, but I need your name on the cover. I'm like, that's fine. They understand writing as when yeah. you get in there. So yeah, no, I'm I'm right under Alan Dean Foster. Thank you very much. Okay. So, <laughs> I already me, have I'm enough personalities. I couldn't handle more than one pen name. I write under seven, and uh, that's that that are published so far. I have more pen names that aren't published yet. It's oh, a controlled my. form. Of, it's a controlled form of schizophrenia, and I make it work for me. Well, there you so. go. <laughs> So, so how did you become, get into writing your own stories then if it didn't transition naturally? Um, I always had story ideas um, running around characters in my head. And um, at 15, I had a teacher who even at 15, I knew was an idiot. But when she said, you can only write if you outline, I believed her because she was a teacher. And outlining is great for term papers and business proposals, but for creative writing, that is not necessarily how all of us write. Yes, there are outliners and there's a whole variety within outlining. There are scene sewers like Diana Gabaldon. She writes her scenes and then sews them together in whatever order is now appropriate. Or there are linear writers, and I am an extreme, as it turns out, an extreme linear writer. I start with the title and then the first line, and when I get to the end, I stop. And that's how I do it. And it wasn't until um, I actually was very miserable. I had a horrible, horrible boss. Um, could have done a movie about her, but she wasn't funny. There was no humor in it. Um, and 
I literally was so angry and so miserable that I started writing because the voices were like screaming in my head and I couldn't shut them up. And I just started writing just to shut them up. And I looked up eight hours later, I typed very fast and I wasn't editing. I was just typing to get it out. I had 200 pages and I never looked back. I never looked back. I don't write 200 pages that fast anymore because now I, I edit as I go along. But uh, but yeah. And once that happened, once the voices finally screamed loud enough for me to say, fine, fine, I'm just going to write it down to shut you up. Um, I Because I didn't care about it. I wasn't writing. I wasn't trying to be a writer. I wasn't trying to outline. I was just writing to get it out there. And I had a coherent storyline. I mean, it was terrible, but it was it was coherent and it was well no some people would have just published it if self-publishing had been around in those days but it wasn't thank god because it was i mean i I, um this was the first version of natural born outlaws okay so set in the old we we lost uh so this was the first version of natural born outlaws and then you can you guys still see me or hear me i can see you i can hear you now beautiful all right, we ran into a slight tech issue when we were recording Jenny Koch's interview. Apparently, when you're as popular as she is and you are accessing StreamYards through your telephone, phone calls can really rock your world and kill a stream. So I am editing out some dead air. Uh, we appreciate your understanding, and I will uh, insert this so you can understand if it's a little bit choppy in this one section. But the interview was audio gold, so it was too awesome to waste. Anyway, we appreciate your patience. I'm so glad somebody else yells at their animals. Mommy's had All it. right, so we had some brief technical difficulties, but uh, Doc, can you tell her where she was so we can get back on? Okay, she doesn't so remember. <laughs> we were talking about how your first draft was of your very first story was not that great, but you wrote it right. in like eight hours, and it was 200 pages, inspired by evil management. And so, I guess there is sometimes a positive to evil management. There is. That's there how is. we got an author out of you. And that became the first, very rough first draft of your Western. Yes. Okay. So, uh, I was paying attention. Yes. Thank God one of us was. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so I wrote and rewrote and rewrote that over and over again. My friends and I ended up calling that the epic um at one point uh you know i had like four novels written in this thing and realized this is all garbage and it has to be redone so i i versioned it like software versions so version 9.2.2 is what my agent sold to graphic audio okay so but before i got to version 9 okay i was doing version 8 and it just wasn't working and you know, I'm like, because uh, I decided maybe I leap ahead to the, and then everything's told in flashback, and that shit really was not working. And I thought maybe this is just one of those things that, despite how much I love it, it was supposed to be something that I just wrote and never was seen. So I pulled out that first version, and I had to sit on my hands. It was so bad. It wasn't like I don't make a lot of spelling errors, so there wasn't that, and I know how to punctuate and grammar and all that. That was not the problem. The problem was it was clearly written by someone who was just learning, and you know I had everything short of somebody twirling a mustache as he tied someone to a railroad track, but I guarantee it was coming because that's, how melodramatic it was it was just over the top but i could see that i actually had some talent 
because I made you turn the pages and you cared about the characters, but there was no recognition. You all would only know that version one was related to version what what ended up as version nine because i tell you you would never be able to make the connection otherwise there, there's like no the dna is way too separated and what i realized that was that version seven was actually my right version but i hadn't given you the reader a reason to care about these characters and so i wrote four beginning chapters that completely changed it and that made that book um really really good and ready to go and and that kind of thing and once i did that that became version nine nine and then with some tweaking and and so forth that like i said that's what my agent sold so how did that lead to speculative fiction <laughs> i don't know i i just i cannot tell you why 75 <laughs> percent of what i write comes out of science fiction um, it was not my first love. It was not my most loved of all the genres that I was reading. It was not the one I loved the most um, and and so forth. But I can say that everything I write actually has a mystery in it. Um, the mystery for me is like the foundation and the structure of the building. and And then everything else is overlaid on top of it. So mystery is still there. It may not be a conventional mystery where, you know, it's really obvious, but all of my characters, there is a problem they have to solve and they have to figure out what the problem is before they can solve it. They have to figure out who is plotting to do what to whom, and then they have to stop it. So to me, that's, a, that's all a mystery, a mystery setup and a mystery build and everything else. So that first love is still, is still definitely there. But I honestly can't tell you why other than it's my grandmother's genetics coming out. She loved science fiction and there's just grandma's like, no, no, had some science right there and that'll be perfect. Put in an alien. Great, a spaceship. Here we go. Right. It's like somehow, <laughs> suddenly it is science fiction, even though it is a completely different kind of thing. So I don't know how it happened. It I bet you're stopped. good at Clue. I'm not so much. I lost all the time. I'm good at Clue. I'm very good at Clue. I like Clue. Um, it was the butler with a candlestick. <laughs> the answer Sometimes. is it Sometimes. was J.R. Mm -hmm. It always was. I, I was horrible at those games. Um. But uh I guess I don't have a second career as a detective in my future. Eh. Well, only if we write one for you. Right. You got to tell enough lies, though, for it to be believable. Right. So, well, you know, that's really what we do for a living. We lie. So <laughs> many authors let their own real life experiences influence the stories they tell. So was there mm -hmm. any specific formidable moment that shaped you as a storyteller? Did you sneak into Area 51 and meet the real aliens? I mean, come on, you got to spell, spell how this happened. Um, no, though it always disappoints people when I say that, that I, uh, I am merely, you know, I'm not, I'm not merely reporting. Um, there is a lot of me in the characters, but it is no one. Uh, this is where I get kind of like almost protective, but not protective. It's none of your business where it comes from, because um, if I, I don't not everybody wants to and not everybody should see how the sausage is made. And I think, you know, your your life, your life experiences invest and invoke within you. So, you know, my one of the things that cracks up, people are like, oh, you're Kitty. Basically, pick a female character I write and someone wants to tell me that I am her. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Kitty's you. Yeah, she is. So's the villain. All the villains. Maybe you should take a think about that. Mephistopheles is me too. 
So I'm the god. I am I am I am the god in the machine. So yeah, they're all an aspect of me, including the villains, sometimes especially the villains. Um so you know, there's a part of me in every single solitary character. Um, even the ones that you don't like and the ones that, or there's, um, sometimes there's not me, but there's somebody who I've experienced who gets to die ugly. Um, <laughs> um, and that is actually part of the fun of being an author. You can take somebody you despise and make them a character and then kill them and humiliate them in horrible ways. And they get to go about their life and you're not spending the rest of yours in jail. It's, it's. It's a nice thing to do. Yeah, they are telling me that 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 that's why I should start writing. Oh, it's it, true. But believe me, it, it's there's there's an advantage to that. Yeah. So, did you see that uh, female um, murder mystery author who actually killed her husband and then wrote it in a book, and that's how she got caught? No, but that was stupid. That was out in uh, Washington, I think. Washington State. Yeah. yeah I, here's was, the uh, thing. You killed your husband, you got away with it, and then you were so prideful, you decided to write a book about it. So the detectives who haven't closed that case and who know it was you now have your blueprint. That's dumb. Yeah. Okay. You, if you commit the perfect crime, no one should know about it. That's why they can shut up. Yeah. That's why they get caught. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the perfect crime. Not anymore, blabbermouth. So yeah, yeah that's kind of um, how Kitty Kitty works it with the with the villains too. They just can't shut up. You just got to get them monologuing, and you get everything you need. Do you, do you have like a futuristic alien version of social media where they can confess it all to? Because I feel no. like you know, like no. an alien version of Facebook or something. No, no, the aliens gave you Facebook. That's my basically my takeaway. Um, most awesome, in, awesome. In, well, no, in the alien series, um, most of the technological advances we have have come from the Alpha Centurions who are on on the planet. So and they're awesome. They are awesome. They are awesome. Speaking of fictional, because you know, but <laughs> yeah. it's my world. I get to make them how I want, and they look like supermodels. So. What's not they to do. like? And they wear a lot of Armani. They do, they do, and the the, the the women are sapiosexual, so all they want is smarts. You don't care what you look like. If you look good, that's great, but it's your brain. Yeah, that's that's some wish fulfillment right there for me. Okay, <laughs> we'll move on. Doc, ask the fandom questions. <laughs> so, have you had anybody do a cosplay or fan art of any of your characters yet? I have. Um, I've had um, some fans do cosplay. It's actually, it's easy, which is why I think people can do my cosplay. Be a man, put on a black suit with a white shirt and a black tie. You're an AC or a, or a human agent. Uh, for the women, wear an Aerosmith t-shirt, jeans and Converse. You're kitty. So uh, I have had people do it. Um, not as many Excellent as I would like. Excellent music, though. But, Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so yes, I've had, I have had people do it. Uh, the first one was, um, one of my super fans, Paul Sparks. He wore, he went as an, as an agent to a con ages ago. Like, so, you know, he was a very, very early adopter. Um, but I've had other people do it. And I mean, and, and it's fun. I've done it. You know, I realized with a, a kind of a starts, like I'm kind of cosplaying Kitty at every con. I'm in jeans and an Aerosmith or some rock and roll t-shirt um, and, and, and tennis shoes. It's like, 
I'm not intending to cosplay my character, but I am. So we'll just go with it because um, it's comfy. And uh, for fan art, um, one of, um, I've got like a super fan family, a couple of them, which are very nice. And Jen Stuckless did some really great uh, fan art of Kitty and a couple other characters. So I haven't seen a lot of fan art. There may be more of it out there, but I haven't seen, I don't go looking for it. If somebody has to send it to me and tell me they've done it before, I, I would know it's there. But so I have had to do that. If you do <laughs> make the fan art, she's telling you by not telling you, she wants you to send it to her so she can look at it. As long yes. as it's following what I've written, because it's all mine. I am not, please don't write fan fiction of my stuff. And if you do, please don't send it to me. Oh, I you. thought we were talking about art, not uh, we are. pictures. We are, but a lot of fan art runs into fan fiction. And I, I know it's not a popular statement these days, but I don't. I don't want people writing fan fiction in my stuff. And I know it's out there and I do not look for it. Please don't send it to me. Art, no problem. The person you'll piss off are my cover artists and that's on them. Um, but fan fiction, you'll piss me off. <laughs> so don't. Yeah, but I mean- There are there's plenty of authors who want you to do that. There, mm -hmm. I, I even know some authors who they don't mind it, but they won't, they won't read it because they don't want to kind of cross the stream, so to speak. I write in a multiverse. So there's nothing that somebody else can create that isn't in my mind, technically mine. Um, so, and I also strongly feel like if you really want to write like that, you should create your own characters, you know, create your own, do your own thing. If you're being driven to write, please, please write your own stuff. Okay, I'm writing my stuff. You know, you, write your own. If you're clever and creative enough to write something with my characters, create your own characters and write something clever and creative with them. And then it's yours and you can do whatever you want with it. If it's mine, I don't want you doing it. And there Including are plenty of publishing it and then sending it to your favorite author and going, look what you inspired me to do. Yeah. yeah. See, that's a much better way of doing it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. Okay. You inspired me. I've had some people do that. You inspired me and this is what I wrote. I'm great. That was their own characters, their own thing. I inspired them. Fabulous. Okay. Just, I just don't want you doing it of my stuff. There are plenty of authors who, you know, hand clap if you're writing fan fiction in their worlds and that's great. Write in theirs. Um, please don't write in mine. And, you know, I, I was on, we were on a fan fiction panel where I was like the lone voice of, I just don't like it. And people are like, well, you're just telling them to buy their stuff. I'm like, yeah, okay. If all you want to do is write fan fiction and something, read somebody else. Because I'm not that girl. I am not welcoming I mean, to it. I don't want to do it. Something to be said. Everybody has boundaries. And it's okay yeah. to have boundaries. That's my boundary. That's I, I don't have a lot of boundaries, <laughs> as most people will tell you. That's my boundary. That literally is my boundary. Just don't do that. Like and well, don't be and dick. some people are yeah. very uh, emotionally attached to their characters and the worlds they've created because, as you pointed out, it is part of you. Mm -hmm. They're mine, and they're and, mine. And I, you I'm don't go sharing. into somebody. You know, this yeah. is the era age where we don't go into somebody and tell them to reorganize them, who they yes. are and what they are. Yes. So, yeah. for you, because yeah. it is you in part you, and you feel that connection. It is. It feels yes, like it that. Is. It is, and uh, and I just I I like encouraging people to be creative, but I want them to be creative with their own stuff. I mean, uh, I will be very bluntly honest. Part of the reason why Touched by an Alien came out the way it did was I was really pissed with what Janet Ivanovich did 
in the Stephanie Plum series with to the character of Morelli. And it made me so angry. I just, instead of writing fan fiction to make it up the way I wanted, I wrote my own, I'm never going to do that to a character, right? I'm not doing that. I'm not ruining the character that is clearly the right guy because of whatever's. And so that is part of how touched by how the man in touched by an alien came out was because i was angry with janet ivanovich for what she did in her series now she has every right to do whatever she wants in her series it's hers okay and i have every right to say i didn't like that i'm going to do something different and i did but i did it with my own and that's really my point do it with your own don't do it with mine so I find writing words so hard that honestly, if I'm going to go to that effort, I want it to be mine. Cause yes, I'm yes. It's a, I'm, yeah. just, I'm not fast enough as a writer that I have time to waste on stuff. I can't sell. Right. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's it too. Right. Yeah. So, so I'm trying to get me to write more. So he's making me do the, sh the show emails. Ah, we'll see. There you go. I don't, I, that's writing. That's not creative writing. That's work writing. I think that's his excuse to foist the work off on you. I, I think it hey, is. Hey, hey, you're not supposed to give away the trade <laughs> secrets. Oh, you know. I think it is. How? I, well, I was going to say it backfires on him because it's like three sentences. Right, exactly. Emails don't have to be long. Hey, so. I have a podcast. You want to come on and advertise your book? Cool. Yes. Yeah, it's not a hard sell. It's not a hard sell. It's not a hard sell. Has anyone ever asked for your autograph out in public? Um, you know, I had all the time to think about it, and I don't, I don't think so. And I'm gonna, uh, I concussions. You know, I've had far too many concussions over the years, and it does actually, I have memory loss from them. Um, so maybe, uh, I can say that I have a lot of times I will leave a, a postcard, a cover postcard, um, particularly in a restaurant. If we've had good service, I, in addition to a nice tip, I leave, leave the card saying, you know, thanks for the great service and signing it. And I have had an experience where we were in, uh, Palm Springs and the waitress, I had gone, I'd done the stuff and I'd gone to the restroom. The racist races back to the table and says, is she here? Is this really her? And um, the the guys are at the table like, yes, yes. She's like, oh my God, my son and I read her books. We love her stuff. And everybody's thinking, oh yeah, sure you do. And then she starts talking about the series. <laughs> One of the guys goes and they're lurking outside the bathroom and I get out and like, you have a super fan at the table right now. I want you prepared because this woman <laughs> has read all your books. So that was honestly really exciting. That's only happened, I think, that once where someone looked at the card and went, oh. <laughs> so, so, but that was very fun. That was very fun. And she was really sweet. And I was really glad I left her a good, good tip. Uh, so, so that was fun. So the, I will agree that the memory loss from mild traumatic brain injuries is no joke, but it is the perfect get out of jail yeah. free card if you forget something. Ooh, it is. Concussions, you know. Concussions, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So many it doesn't work on Doc because I she knows all my secrets, so it doesn't work. Right. Yes, it doesn't work with your best friends. Well, that's why uh, that's why we make him organize the schedule. <laughs> yes, this is true. I tried to use that once, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm not buying it." Yeah, like, yeah, I was like, wait, yeah. we have a podcast where the main organizer is the one with brain damage. 
okay, this works. Whatever. Uh, well, you know, uh, like I said, could this get more chaotic? I mean, I oh, so I'm gonna blame Jr. for scheduling us on this day, even though I picked this day. <laughs> I mean, even though I went through and said, well, that's the first day that works. <laughs> but under the concussions, I had a blast in Iraq. So. <laughs> oh my god. And, and this is terrible. how you know she, she's my best friend because she laughs at this joke she's heard a dozen times. At least. I do. And I have. And, and she I've still laughs. Because it. yeah, it's still funny. <laughs> it is. All it's right. the dark humor of us all. It so, is. I guess. I like dark humor. So have you okay, go ahead, Doc. I was gonna get someone, us back on track. Okay, well, obviously, you know, somebody spotted you, but have you spotted anybody reading your book in the wild? I have not, but fans have, and they send me pictures of it. And oh, uh, awesome. some of them will, yeah, some of them will talk to the person, um, especially if the if the fans know me personally. Um, but some will not, and um, some are just taking the surreptitious pictures of people of people reading. So that's been very very fun. Uh, most of those are spotted, unsurprisingly, on public transportation, and. <laughs> Well, no, because yeah, like I don't want to spot someone reading my book while they're driving a car. Okay, please, God, don't do that. Okay, audio book. Listen, to, listen oh, to any audio book, right? Just yeah. So um, I've known somebody who said, "Sesco, watch the light while I finish this scene." Right. Yes. Okay, but it's dangerous. I feel that, <laughs> it's dangerous, and what I really don't want to traffic. It. Yeah, you're sitting. Yeah, but uh, I don't want to encourage that. But yeah, most of them, most of the spotted in the wilds were on public transportation, you know, so they're on the bus, they're on the subway, that kind of thing. So it's always fun. And it's always fun to get those. And I, I love it when it's like, I spotted someone. And a lot of times like, hey, did you say anything? No, they were so, usually the answer when they didn't say something, so they were really into the book, and I didn't want to disturb them. Like, that's Sorry. fair. That's fair. I can't argue that. So, so it's a little bit easier, I think, because you're traditionally published so to go out and see that because you got bookstores where yeah. they're traditionally picking it up. Uh, I don't know yeah. if you're in any airports. I don't know how that works, if that's a different market. It It is and it depends and um, it depends on the sales group. And I have been in airports and I have been in, in markets um, and I am four years late on the next book. So <laughs> I'm not in them right you now. You don't tell. No, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think Penguin Random House is buying that view, viewpoint. So, um, but yeah, so it, 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 it all depends. Four, so well done. You're an overachiever. Thank you. I'm overachieving. Yes, I'm in George R. R. Martin and Patrick Rothfuss territory without their money. <laughs> yeah, but your fans aren't nearly as angry. Oh, they are. Oh, they are. So. Um, Some of them are. Some of them are. Yeah, no. So. But at least other authors are blaming you for fans like the completionist fa only fans. So, oh no, I hit completionist only fans. So where it's like, oh, I'll wait till book twenty comes out. Well, thanks. Okay, I, 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 I am the completionist in that mm -hmm. if you come out and I love your series, I want mm -hmm. everything. I want all the short stories. I want right. everything, but I will buy it as it comes out because right. I also have no patience for it. And I need to know that I have it. Even if I don't read it yet, I need to know I have it. Yeah. That's kind of how might I have am. some issues. The short stories, by the way, which is a great segue in, and I know it's not your next question, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> We're fluid. Um, and um, the short stories, there are uh, some, 
are out of print. Some are available right now in various anthologies, and all of them will be gathered together in the Alien Collection, which I will, uh, I'm mo most likely going to self-publish. Um, DAW is, uh, for protecting me, business reasons doesn't want to, to do it. Anthologies don't sell, anthologies and collections don't sell as well. And if I sell badly on it, it affects what they can and can't do with Penguin Random House for me. So they're like, no, we're going to pass on that. So that was actually, that was a pass of love, not pass of, and we don't want it. Um, and so I, I currently think I'll self-publish. We'll see when I finish the last story that I need to do for it. Um, if my agent wants to shop it to some smaller presses, if she does, you know, fine. If not... Well, Whenever it's done, yay! We will gladly have you back to pimp it, oh, and um, I will definitely be buying it. Thanks. It remains to see if I will be buying two copies of it because occasionally, at my mom and I share books, not very yeah. well, but we do. Um, well, I, I, I can speak for all authors. We just care that you buy them as <laughs> many as you want. Really, <laughs> buy multiple copies; they're great gifts. So. <laughs> Uh, I actually did that. I was in a book and I bought 14 copies of the book and gave them to all of my relatives. Yes. Yeah. No, I think that's don't great. Like people... <laughs> well, actually, it was the only science fiction book my grandmother ever owned. Either wow. Either my grandparents ever owned. Wow. Was it the um, the Pern book you're in? Yes. It was Dragon's Book. Oh. Oh. Where I'm all a right. bossy werewoman. Oh, I like it. Well, I mean, at least it's the character. Anderson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, my mom looked at me part. and goes, it's kind of disturbed how well they know you. I'm like, oh. So so do you have any weird or funny interactions with fans since you started writing? I actually have a lot. Um, uh, the One of the um, best was very recent. I was just at Multiverse, which is a uh, small fan con in um, Atlanta. I ran and... into, I, I, I did not go to the convention, in, mm -hmm. into the convention. I hung out outside and had coffee with some friends because... Oh, okay. Well, I, I didn't had let me know one. you were there. Didn't let well, me know I had a there. I had my little one, and my little one couldn't go into the convention, so yeah, no, we hung out. Yeah. we hung I out see. by the lake. I, I, I was near the lake, but I, I see how you did me. Mm -hmm. No, no problem. I was there. You could have asked. I, I, I believe me. I tried, but Mel had already left, so and I didn't have. Ah, uh, so. uh, well, there we go. So I, I don't like people were sending other people, people to get me, so yeah. I don't like to actually stalk people; it gets a little awkward. Yeah, well, you know, depends. It depends. Elon but at Musk that, did you those cease and desist letters? Wait, you're not talking about me now. Sorry. No, 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 no. I don't have a thing for Elon Musk. He's a little too short. <laughs> oh, height doesn't. Don't listen there, Daddy Monk. <laughs> so anyway so at this con um keeping in mind that i have only lived out here for four years and we were in phoenix for 22 and so i was doing all i started writing in phoenix i started you know doing my career in phoenix so i, I did all the stuff in the southwest so i look up in and i did not also realize until this con that for me i can't speak for everybody but for me 75 to 90 percent of recognition is this part of the face the part that's hidden by masks i can i people were like hey jenny and i'm like who is that i don't know who that is i can't tell i i don't know did they did they get a haircut is this someone i know oh my god it's someone i know really well right that was my entire con experience for the first day i people are talking to me and i'm like i don't know who you are 
take off your mask, right? Um, so I see this person coming towards me and I'm like, I recognize the shape of this person. And he says something, I'm like, I recognize the rumble of that voice. And it was one of my super fans from Tucson. And it turns out his family has moved to just outside of uh, Savannah. And oh, wow. he got my newsletter saying that I was going to be at the con and he and his daughter came on up and it was just so nice to see. It was like that someone from home and um, it was just really great to see him. And, you know, he bought books and went to panels and all the other stuff. They had a really fun con experience and everything else. But that was a really that was a really neat experience. Um, but I've had fans come in from out of state um, to come to cons so they could be with me. Um, I had that happen really early. I've been very fortunate. I have really, I honestly, for the most part, I really have great fans. They're very um, kind and they're very supportive. Um, I have really, I've got everyone and every, I've got a 360 fan base. So any political viewpoint, some, I have a fan from that political viewpoint, um, but they're for the most part, always really nice to me, really supportive. They try to be nice to the other people in the fandom, even if they don't agree. Um, so I'm very fortunate. I don't have, uh, I don't have a lot of weirdos, you know, or if they're weirdos, they're my kind of weirdos. So I don't notice that they're weirdos. Um, that is you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, right. Except for so, Carl, because he knows who he is. Yeah, we're looking at you, Carl. <laughs> okay well there are a couple that you just said you did hear me say there are there are some exceptions but for the most part my fans are really really nice so i've had a lot of fun fan interactions um over the years um starting with just having them was one of my friends was like how did you think you were going to be a success without fans i'm like i don't know i just never expected that anyone would ever send me a fan letter or fan girl or fanboy when meeting me or it just i never assumed that would happen that was sort of like you know well you know when you're a name author like stephen king sure i'm sure it happens but i was not expecting it and uh it was it was i got my first fan letter uh touch by an alien hadn't even released in the united states it came from the netherlands the books had arrived at the bookstore and the bookstore said eh, they're here and put them out instead of you know waiting and um, uh, first, the first fan came in and she picked my book over Charlene Harris's. So I was like, and she she told me how, how much she loved it and everything else. And I almost had thrown that email away because it said about your books. And I thought, well, that's spam and eh, I better look, right? So uh, first fan can do no wrong and um almost love first fan but i mean she it was just really it, i was shocked and then i got another fan letter like the day of release someone else had gotten it like the day before and read it and i was just like wow people send fan mail <laughs> i was not prepared that threw me completely but in a really good way so I love my fans and I love, love interacting with them. Um, probably, I probably interact with them more than I should because it's like, if I'm interacting with you, fan person, I'm not writing. <laughs> so. Fair. so before we talk about, well, let's do it this way. Can you give okay. us the reader's highlight uh, digest version of, of your body of work? And then once you do that, no. we'll ask just broad strokes, no. like what main series? No, it's adorable that he thinks after as long as we've been talking so far that I can do anything with brevity, but I'll try. Okay, so the alien Kathy and Kitty. 
The Alien Catherine Kitty Cat series is my main series. That's from Doll, which is part of Penguin Random House. There are 16 books out. Book 17, I swear to God, is coming out. And I'm contracted through 20. And once we get to 20, if my editor and I are not broken, sobbing wrecks in the middle of the highway, um, maybe we'll talk about more. Um, I have a wonderful letter. My the Daw is just like a dream publisher to be with. So um, I, I have no complaints about them. They're being oh so very patient with with my little struggles. Uh, I have the Alexander Outland series, the Necropolis Enforcement Files series, the first book in that. Uh, so back up. First book in Alexander Outland is Alexander Outland Space Pirate. That's by me writing is G.J. Koch. Um, the Necropolis Enforcement Files series, uh, the first book of that is The Nightbeat. Uh, the Martian Alliance series, um, which the, the first installment is The Royal Scam. Um, and the first collection of the first three books is, uh, is Alliance Rising. Uh, let's see, uh, I have standalones and I have firsts and I have all these other things. So I write as Jenny Koch, G.J. Koch, J.C. Koch, which is the name I write horror under, Anita Ensal, Gemma Chase, and A.E. Stanton. And there's always one I forget. Um, and then those are the ones that are out. And like I said, I'm in every length and in every genre. So you can find most of that on the bibliography page at my website, which is, yes, we're updating it. It's going to be all new and snazzy. And until it is, we aren't updating the old page. And just like everything else, that's going very, very slowly. So the bibliography has about 75% of my titles right now. So why um, the pen names, if you don't mind? Um, my, I don't mind. I think it's a really good question. My voice changes when I am writing as other people. G.J. Koch is the closest to Ginny Koch. But the others, the farther away you get, the less it sounds like Jenny Koch. And I have to be funny. As GJ and Jenny, I have to be funny. And being funny is hard. And it's hard work. And um, sometimes you just don't feel it. Okay. And I've got to, if it doesn't make me laugh, it's sure not going to make anybody else laugh. So I've got to be in the right mental spot to create humor. And that's harder than creating drama. And um, the, with the other pen names, I don't have to be funny. And that's that's part of it. But they also write, they sound distinctly different. Anita Ensalt does not sound like Jenny Koch, does not sound like Gemma Chase. They have, dis there's rhythms, there's distinct differences. And uh, some of it's subject matter. I mean, and like I said, as J.C. Koch, I write horror. But Camp Alien, which is book 13, has a whole lot of horror section in it. Um, but it's still written as Jenny Koch. But it's written with that mindset, and it's a different kind of thing. As J.C. Koch, the monster can win, and I can applaud when the monster wins. So, you know, it's just what you want, what you're feeling, what you want to do. But um, if it's not, if it does, if it says Ginny Koch and you don't laugh anywhere, people get upset. The third installment of uh, the Martian Alliance Chronicles, uh, A Bug's Life, is not, I've got some humor in it, but not a lot, because it's about genocide and i just had a little trouble getting the chuckles going yeah and that's a little just, hard to make funny it was but i You've got never some, been some in the infantry. we could right I, well i got some okay. in there but funny. it funny for the market not funny for you right okay right. and i did have some people complain you know i pick up a Ginny koch book to laugh and i didn't laugh 
It's like, sorry, it's book, it's installment three. You'll laugh at installment four, I promise. But we can't get to installment four without installment three. And that is kind of the the, the less, a little less funny. Um, so that's one of the reasons why, you know, it's, it's, I can't make you laugh all the time because it's exhausting and I can't do it. And I don't want to do it. I, there are things I want to explore that don't have, a humor element that I want to play up. That isn't to say that there is there aren't humorous moments in my other books because I can't help it. Um, even the monsters get to have some jokes in here and there. But I don't, there's an expectation if it's Ginny Cox that's going to be funny. And I don't always want to do that. And like I said, my voice distinctly changes. So it's not, and it's easier. There are a lot of people that are like, oh, no, but, you know, like Robert Silverberg, who could write anything and do anything, Isaac Asimov and, and all this other stuff. And many of these people have a commonality in that they're men um, and that's a little bit more accepted for men. Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to say Ooh, the patriarchy. I'm just saying it is a little bit more accepted for men to be able to dive here and there. And um, it is, is less accepted. But there are. I mean, there are really successful female authors who you go on and they've got six, four, six, seven pen names and they're writing a ton in them. And it's the same damn reason. My voice changes. My subject matter changes. This, if I write under this name, it's steamy, steamy sex. And if I write under this name, it's a kiss at the end, right? Those are two distinctly different audiences. So, you know, it's, you have to, it's a business. Right, almost and like can't... an imprint. Like I had a friend yeah. who thought we were talking about imprints yeah. and mm -hmm. why yeah. go with imprint. It's almost like that is a personal hot. It's a personal imprint. Yeah, it's a personal imprint. Yeah, so they're they're different. So that's why. So um, so it's it's completely a business and a creative reason. Yeah, I just find it interesting why some people do it because like I, I'm a single mom, so mm -hmm. I would choose to go by a different name than my legal mm -hmm. name. Because I'm right. a sick mom, so yeah. and uh, well, I mean, there's no, I there's didn't no, choose to be part of fandom. I did, but he did. right and well, and there's also if you write erotica and children's, you need two different names, and I strongly okay. suggest both of them be pen names, right? So because it's two the the they're two diametrically opposite, um, and you know, and there are reasons, and there's some people I know that's like everything's going to be under my own name. Okay, if it's working for you, awesome. Okay, but I already know that if you expect it to be funny every single time, that's a problem. Whereas if I do Ginny Koch writing as a neat ensal, you already know it's not going to be a laugh riot. And that's, you know, one of the things I, I would like to be able to do. So, and Having written one comedy and having said after that, never again, because it's a lot harder to write everything when you're doing like every sentence has to have double triple sometimes quadruple meaning to make it yeah no yeah. just wasn't yeah. worth it yeah, yeah. no it's I, hard I'm funny by it's accident hard. not on purpose and then of course uh, i had no. to get i had to get a co-writer on mine to take the army a little down a notch because barracks humor and normal person humor don't always match up right so yeah yeah, yeah it was it was like eh. but yeah, yeah i definitely yeah. can see where you're coming from with that that's that's a good point i hadn't considered yeah. All right. So while all of that sounds fascinating, today we're going to talk about your Alien series, uh, specifically, <laughs> specifically book one. I mean, we're only an hour in. but I know, uh, right? I warned you. I did warn you. Specifically book one, Touched by an Alien. 
uh, and hopefully in her naughty spot because it is romance too, according to the uh, category. Wait, that sounded way funnier in my head. I promise you, dear listener. Speaking of right. humor, not always working, right? Well, we're gonna back that up. Pretend I didn't Try. say that, and we'll yeah, pretend. Yeah, that. I, 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 I'm, I'm, one, I'm waiting are. for the coherent thought that was in there. I'm, I'm gonna give you the credit. There was a coherent thought. Touch naughty bits and back up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, even trying to backpedal, I didn't do a very good job. So instead, how did you come up with the premise for this universe? <laughs> um, okay, this is uh, this is actually uh, Jr. and I were talking about this beforehand. So this is the the this is not going to be the brevity answer as as a warning. Um, I was I had a dream. About fifty percent of my story ideas come from my dreams, and. At that time, I was doing an exercise that I'd given myself, which was writing. Um, it's really good for voice work, and it's really good for genre work, and it's really good for length work, where I was um, giving myself I had different lengths, okay, all, all saleable pro market lengths, different genres, different POV, different tense, and I had to change three of those every time so if i wrote a um 5000 word third person science fiction story in past tense three of those things had to change the next story i was writing so i had been planning the my next short story was going to be a dark short horror story and i have this dream and it's very dark and noirish and i'm like ooh, i'm gonna write that perfect this is gonna be a perfect four thousand word <laughs> dark short noirish horror story and it was exactly what i needed to write so i started writing and the first the first the prologue in the first chapter are really kind of the dream but it didn't come out the way i had seen it and the voice was a voice i had never written under before and for the, we've all had the character talks to us. For the first time, the character was narrating the entire thing, okay? So I just wrote down everything. At, at the start, I didn't even know if it was a man or a woman narrating, right? That's how it came in. And um, it starts going and I let it roll because you can edit anything in post. Anything can be fixed in post. That's what editing is for. You can cut and, and I've killed in getting that, you know, version 9.2.2 ready. I've killed millions of words. I've written and killed millions of words. So killing a few more is not a big deal. So I wrote and I wrote and, and we get to the part in, I believe it's chapter two <laughs> where the character finally has to say what her name is. And she goes, Catherine Cat, K-A-T-T. And before you ask, yes, my parents call me Kitty. And I stopped writing and I turned away from the computer and I went, Kitty Cat, seriously, Kitty Cat. And she said, my parents have a sense of humor, keep writing. So, I mean, I literally, she's talking in my head. So I kept doing that. And there were two spots where that dark, short, Norish horror story tried to reinsert itself. One was the exact midpoint where um, you find out, oh, it's not what you think, it's worse, right? And the characters indeed do find that. And the answer written worked. It worked with all the clues that had come before and everything that had happened. 
And I stopped and I read it and I'm like, well, so what this is saying, this scene is now saying, hey, this seems like a light, fun, fluffy, fluffy paranormal romance. It's just a, a, a laugh right now. Ooh, did you like that? Well, that's too bad because it's all evil. I'm like, that is not what this book is supposed to be. So I cut it. And, and I kept kept rolling. And then it tried to reinsert itself during one of the big climactic battle scenes and i let it roll and i wrote i'm like okay so so dark norish horror story what you'd really like is for my male lead to be somehow having an affair with the spirit of his dead aunt i don't think so and i cut it and i fixed it and went on so that um and i cut it as i was writing it because i i edit as i go along um, and that literally be- is touched by an alien. That's how it came about. And um, it was very organic. It was the most organic thing I've ever written. Um, and it really felt like Kitty was um, was dictating. And they all, for the most part, feel like Kitty's dictating. It's, it's definitely her. I hear her voice when I'm writing. So um, it, but it, it wasn't, it, it, it's a master class in just let, the characters tell you what they're doing stop trying to control them and i controlled twice and both times it was the right choice and otherwise the rest of that was just boom that's where we're at so i don't even know if that answered the question but there you go (laughs) that's how that book got written being very familiar with the series yeah, I don't think he should have that affair with his his dead aunt. Right? Yeah. Isn't that icky? And I was like, that's really... And it's it took so all out of, of it took, keeping. And it took all of Kitty's agency away. The whole thing. It was just... I, I'm like, I don't even understand why my hindbrain thought that was the right way to go. But, oh, you're wrong. And i like, nope. Chop. Start again. Um, from this point and and it's uh, and sort of like I felt like felt like the story had to like get its it, it had to throw itself in there just to have had done and then I let it let me take it out it wasn't like there was any fight as soon as I read through it's like nope and you know everything's like oh yes let's do this better right let's do this the right way now um but it was it was a very interesting process um on that and I mean I've always as a linear writer, you're always going to go down a rabbit hole wrong. I mean, excuse me, that's just part of the point. That's the journey for linear writers is the point going through it. So sometimes, oh, we took the left path instead of the front path. And that's the better story, right? And sometimes, oh, we took the left path and we need to chop that left path off because that has nothing to do with what we're doing. Um, and in this case, I had gotten good enough that i could let it go and i could stop and go back and say yeah no you gotta you're going into the cut pile never ever to be seen again so so we normally ask a little later on about sausage and have there ever been any of those cut scenes where you later were like not here but in this book it actually works yes um i actually out of it's the only thing that got to survive the first rounds of um, of Belladonna of the of the the Western. I uh, in addition to Christian theology and Native American theology, I'd thrown in voodoo too because why not have three religions warring with each other in one series? 
Um, and I, I pulled it. I pulled it and cut it. But I loved my voodoo queen and her cockerel. I loved them. And I, it broke my, those are the first darlings I ever killed were pulling this voodoo storyline out and realizing it had to go because it just was bought it was taking the story in bizarre direct it was making it a paranormal when it wasn't supposed to be and i never throw anything away the cut files are i save the files and um finally i was writing a romantic suspense um set in and around new orleans and all of a sudden tante madia came up and said you can use me here merle and i can be in this book. I'm like, oh, I can use them here. Uh, so I got to use those two characters. They weren't quite what they were in the other thing, because they, they had to be toned down for, for this book. But it made me very happy to get to use those two characters uh, in there. And then there was a, um, a book. It was supposed to be a series that I'd started. And it was just... <sighs> Here's here's what's happening in the characters present day. And now we're going to do a flashback that's like uh, 150 pages of how they met. And then, wait, wait, then we're going to do a flashback a thousand years. It was not going to not going to fly. OK, it wasn't it wasn't going to fly. And I realized I didn't care about any of them anymore. Now that I was writing three-dimensional characters, I really wasn't excited about these characters that were mostly very one-dimensional. And anytime they were becoming three-dimensional, it was turning into a soap opera. And it was, it's like, okay, well, if I was being hired to write the next Dark Shadows, because it was sexy vampires, right? If I was being hired to write the next Dark Shadows, I have the script for that. Okay, I'm ready if we get to do Dark Shadows again and I get to be the showrunner. But for anything else, no. So I actually cut that thing up for parts. There are parts of it in, um, there's parts of it in the Necropolis Enforcement Files series. There's parts of it in other stuff that isn't finished or isn't published yet, but they're it's all over the place. But it'll never see the light of day, like I said, unless, hey, anybody wants to redo Dark Shadows, I, I have our entire storyline um but it, it would only work literally as a daily soap opera because you can do stuff like that in that medium and you just can't in in a novel that i mean maybe i could now but i just don't care anymore <laughs> i've moved on from that <laughs> and again i don't know did that answer the question i don't remember what I, the I mean was. i did i think so I think and, uh, so. Good. Good. I Good. got the Dark Shadow reference, so we're going to accept that as a win and move on. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so this is where we talk about the book cover. So okay. JR, put up one of my favorite book covers. Put it up all on the screen. All right. Here I was trying to be all nice, and I was going to do the book cover. And she's like, nope, I'm going to steal that question. <laughs> yeah, you like it. Dan Dos Santos um, did the cover art, and it's great. That's actually, I, I think, that's the cover for the audiobook. Please don't buy it. Um, they, the company that did the audio on this, did a, a horrific job, and um, and I, uh, my a, my agent and I just like we're like never speak of it again, and um, we're looking to have the books done in audio properly but yeah that's the audio cover but that is dan dos santos's artwork 
I, I love Santos' artwork. He's yeah. and he's a really nice guy. Yes, so he, he is. Yes, he is. He, and he does very all talented. of um DJ Butler has a series that he's done all the covers of. Yeah, he does all Patricia Briggs and yeah. And I was very lucky that dog uh, chose him for me. I'm very, very lucky because I had absolutely no say in that. And I wouldn't have known who to ask for anyway. So um, yeah, I, I, I've been known to buy a Daniel Santos cover because well, it was a Daniel yeah. Santos cover. Right. Yes. I mean, that's one of the advantages. You know, and don't judge a book by its cover unless it's a great cover and then totally judge a book by its cover. Totally judge a book by its cover. Right. It always cracks me up when people picked up that book and said, well, I can't believe there's romance in it. Um, seriously, did you, did you look at that cover? They're sucking face on the cover while holding guns. It, it sort of said stuff's blown up real good behind them. It's like, it's like Michael Bay, this cover did Michael Bay did this cover. So, you know, what, why are you shocked that there was romance in it when that's what they're doing? But, you know, I, 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 mine is not your reason why. Um, and so Dan did covers one through 12 and then Lindsay, um, Lindsay look, who was his apprentice took over in book 13 camp alien and on, and she's doing the rest of the series. Cause Dan got too busy and um, he's amazing. He is. And Lindsay is amazing too. So, uh, you literally probably only know that she took over because I tell you, or you look for her name on the cover. Cause she did such a good job cause she apprenticed under him and she uses the same models um that uh, you can't you literally can't tell that it's different that it's a different artist so that is her covers too really awesome so yes. can you give us the 30 second elevator pitch for touched by an alien yes um i'll give you two different ones it is men in black crossed with true lies and a little miscongeniality thrown in that's the hollywood one and then uh, basically Kitty discovers that the Roswell rumors are true, but with a twist, the aliens are here to help us. And as a side benefit, they're all gorgeous. Uh, and she gets involved to save the day and does so uh, using her knowledge of pop culture, comics, hairspray, and rock and roll. Which is an excellent, excellent name, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So. So yeah, so it's a very fun book. And if I made you laugh at any point during this this podcast, you'll you'll like the book. And if I didn't, you probably won't, but you might like things by Anita Ensall because she's much more thoughtful. So this is where we always ask, what makes your series special and unique among all of these? And um, I will let you answer because I could totally do this. I know, because I've sold several of your books at Barnes and Noble. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, they're fun, they're funny, they're snarky. Kitty is a Kitty is a regular person with certain certain um quirky um quirky skills that under most circumstances wouldn't make any difference but in these circumstances do uh she's also got one of the things i was really getting sick of was you know i'm a lonely loner with no one and i'm alone and i'm so alone and it's only me and and all that other stuff i'm and angsty I'm, and i hate the world right yeah and i got tired of that and it's like kitty's happy go lucky kitty's got great parents she's got good friends she's got you know she's in a career it may it's not really it's not the career it, the career's fine you know she fell into it she's good at it it's fine um she's a normal person thrust into very 
unusual circumstances. She discovers that her parents have been leading secret lives. And um, that's part of why she's rolling with these punches so well is that her parents have spent a lot of time kind of subtly training her without shoving her in to, to their secret lifestyles. And she's okay. just, she just rolls. And she I can will, think like the great, the, she can think like the megalomaniac. I will say this one as the child of a, a computer security analyst mm -hmm. and community organizer and a project manager, you pick up certain things just by being around people. Yes, you do. And, and how they talk and how they handle the conflicts and the resolutions and the organizing mm -hmm. and the planning. Yeah, exactly. And Kitty has picked up these things from her parents, you know, like her parents telling her what to look for in terms of a terrorist attack. What, you know, little clues like why, you know, they're taking too long to open the door, you know, things like that. She's just, okay, we've got a problem. And that's, that's from her parents who are very active in her life and very active in the series. And I just like that. And she's just got a cool rolls with it worldview. And she takes no guff from anyone. It doesn't matter how important you think you are. When you cross the line, when you're being a jerk for no good reason, uh, you're threatening innocence or people she loves, um, Kitty is not phased by you. Even it's like she knows I should be afraid, but I'm not because I'm angry. Because you are you're wrong, and I need to go protect people now. So there, yeah. there's a, another um, hidden fact that we try to reveal on this podcast on a regular basis. But one of those other tells for terrorism, I, I tell this as someone who served during the war on terror, so I'm sort of an uh, expert. But when they put not an expert, on, you are wrong in this. When they put pineapple on pizza, it's definitely a tell of someone having terrorism. I'm pretty sure Al Qaeda doesn't put pineapple on pizza. Even Al Qaeda has standards. Well, I okay. Well, you know, pine pineapples do feature in book three. I'm just gonna say, in Alien it, the Family, pineapples do come up. Is it the alien or is it the uh, the terrorist? Oh, if you haven't read it, my man, I'm sorry. No spoilers. You gotta, you gotta catch up. Nine, there. You gotta catch up. Yeah, sorry. No, buy the book. <laughs> buy the um, book. Read the book. <laughs> all right, Doc. You get to ask your most favorite tropalicious question. Oh, yes. yes. That's a cringy I, I, word well, she it, made up. Not, this is so hard because I've like read so much of the series. <laughs> okay. So, but what tropes do you feel touched by an alien really hits on and plays with? Oh my God. So many. Uh, TV, I don't know if t the, the website TV Tropes is still active, but if it is, it had, it, it had touched by an alien up there. I was so pleased. Uh, there are absolute tropes on... Um, god what don't I, I i think tropes exist for a reason people like them people like they're the reason that something's a cliche is because we like it and we're in comfortable archetypes um you know all of these things exist because we like them so i do god so many tropes uh what trope don't i hit might be the better question um because it's fun and it's funny so you know i'm not telling you you have to take it terribly seriously um, but it does deal with very serious things. Um, I'm thinking of uh, TV tropes. Uh, their favorite was the first alien Kitty sees is the alien she ends up with. That was their favorite, uh, one of them. But they got 
God, that was, I, if I'd known this question was coming, I would have pulled up that site because they have all those answers. I don't have the answers. They no, have all the answers. Okay. Um, uh, that is that's okay. That is A-OK. JR likes to do this because I, I let, I, one of my favorite new panels at DragonCon was Tropolicious. And he goes, that's not a word. And I went, yes, it is. Yes, it it's is. It's the DragonCon programming book, which devolved into an argument of you can't put it in there and then make it declare it's a word that's cheating you can all the time all the and time I that's went, how words that get exactly created. what authors do yes that's how words get created she See? You absolutely can with her yeah. logic and stuff i'm like no no no. there's See? no logic in this it's just See, I'm right and you've been out logic it works it works. No, no, no. It's, it works. the logic is I'm right and we move on. That's just how this works. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, okay. No, no, no. That's not happen. how this Pat works. Pat him on the head. Pat that's him on the head. That's not how this works, Sergeant. Well, you know. All right. So, so now let's talk about the story itself. Wow, we're almost two hours in. But uh, <laughs> other than what you've already told us, is there anything you want to add to uh, uh, a little bit about your main character? Or do you want to start moving on to the other characters? Um, Kitty's awesome, and you should try to be like her. That's all I I can say. Um, Jr. would be so much cooler if he was more like Kitty. Jr. He could be more like Martini or Chucky. I don't think I'd look as good in a dress, though, Doc. Uh, he could be Reader. Everyone should aspire to be Reader, to be honest. Um, and uh i don't know which characters do we want to talk about i mean i have a cast of a named cast of like 500 i oh good guy so who are your favorite yeah. secondary characters then oh um well okay obviously i love martini um martini it's funny at the end of every book the only character who wants me to stop forever is martini he's made it to the book he's still alive everything's all right great we can stop and every time i start a new book he's like no everybody else is like clamoring to do things and jeff's just like no just she's gonna hurt me i know not she's gonna again hurt me. not again not this again um my uh, my fate uh, i got a lot of favorites but chucky is probably my 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 favorite favorite of of all the supporting and that's saying a lot but i love pretty fond of algar too and um and if you aren't to book eight you won't know who that is so um but uh i like the, i like all of them i mean i i like I, I like the villains enough that most of them don't even really die and they keep coming back in kitty's dreams because it's like mephistopheles has more to say um so i just i like uh, if i don't like if a character isn't doing their job they're cut so i like all the characters you see because if they didn't do their job they were cut so or killed dun, dun, dun. Uh, well if they're cut cuts worse than killed killed means that somebody somewhere read you and cared about you cut means no one ever saw you ever and you're just gone the biggest yeah. issue i have is when i cut i have oh you know what i this i, I have actually cut um characters and big scenes out i cut it i cut a lot out of alien diplomacy because it was not going in the right direction but there were some characters i really loved and i brought them in in um versus in alien do they come in in versus yeah they they yes uh so i brought them in in the next book in alien versus in alien versus alien 
So uh, all the uh, the Bahrainis and the Mossad uh, folks were cut out of diplomacy because their storyline wasn't working right. But I got to bring them in 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 that. Well, there's a lot of story yeah. in diplomacy. So there was a, is I, there I one? I missed, wait, I missed what uh, Siska said. There's a lot of diplomacy and uh, uh, a lot of story already in diplomacy. Right. Yeah. And it just it wasn't going um, a lot of I diplomacy. Any more storyline would have really messed the pacing of the book. Right. And there were other things. In fact, um, there actually, as I think about it, now that we're talking about this, um, I cut a lot of stuff out of um, diplomacy that I used later in the series. So that of all of them had a lot of stuff cut out that got used later where I, characters got brought in later, a scene got rearranged and brought in later in the series because there was just it, it not only was it too much, but it was going in the wrong direction. Uh, it wasn't taking the story where it needed to go, wasn't taking the characters where they needed to go. Um, but by cutting by cutting that stuff, saving it and using it later, I got to bring in characters I really liked, um, this time going in the correct direction. All right. Speaking of characters you really like, um, yeah. do you guys have, does this universe have its overarching villain or is each book its own villain? Tell us about the bad guys. Um, there is an overarching villain that you, the reader, don't even know exists until about book seven, uh, and that's the mastermind. And then um, there are there are overarching themes where you um, like um, Paraguay gets mentioned in book one, and then you see a little more about Paraguay in book two, but Paraguay doesn't come to full fruition really until books five and six. So the whole Paraguay line, the, the stuff that's starting there doesn't come in until till full, full fruition. And by that point, um, they are going down to, um, they are going down to um, the mastermind. And then we have the tinkerer and um, we have the shadow. We have a few others. So as one, super villain master villain gets taken care of others others emerge so i mean it's a long series so you can't have you can have the same guy over and over again but if your people are never successful um what's what's the point uh so they have to take care of some of the baddies and new baddies crop up kind of like life so, so but the villains are fun mm -hmm. if your characters knew who you were and they met you like in a back alley, Marriott Square, something like that. How do you uh, think you would fare? Um, Chucky would ask me why I let an alien steal his girl, because that's what he asks me every time we talk uh, <laughs> first. And then he goes on to other things. Uh, Kitty and Rita would love me. Jeff would beg me to stop hurting him. And Christopher would beg for his life. So Jeff would be yelling, no, mommy, no, no, mommy. No, it's like, please stop hurting me. I will do anything. Please, please, please. Can the series end now? No, it can't. Please, please. Right. So yeah. And Christopher would be begging for his life because I'd have killed him off in book four, but I was not allowed to. <laughs> he has crawled his way back. He's crawled his way back into my esteem, but he really had to work at it. So uh, so yeah, so beyond that, um, 
the only the only the there there's several villains the 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 ones around the mastermind um they would try to get rid of me because they were happier when they were getting to do stuff before i uh i figured out what they were up to well they're the villains so right yeah yeah no kitty kitty'd be like we'd just be hanging so You'd have some great food, great drink, and some banging music. Yeah, yeah. Well, no alcohol because alien the aliens can't drink it. So oh yeah, I no could. Do they have their own version of alcohol? No, no. They are deadly allergic to it. They yeah, uh, cannot. Yeah, no. Yeah, they might really. actually. <laughs> well, we'll move on then. Uh, they so man they the manage to not be boring in other ways. What they make up for in not drinking, they uh, what 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 they what what they have to compensate is being great in bed. She went there. I love this woman. Okay, so finally, what can you tell us about the universe? Um, in most series, the world where the story is told is as much a character as the protagonist and antagonist. So, can you give us a hint of what we can expect? It's a multiverse. So, in the first place, when the series starts. You will think that Kitty is in your version of Earth, and you're wrong. Um, and you'll find out by you find out there's a multiverse in book three. Uh, it's confirmed in book four. It's talked about, and then book ten, Universal Alien. Uh, Kitty does a universe switch, and you get to go to the world that's a lot more accurately like ours and then see everything in book 17 which is the one that i swear to god will be done soon um they kitty and several others have been uh snapped into the steampunk universe and uh so they're having to deal with stuff there so um i can send people anywhere i want and bring them in from everywhere and and anywhere and that's part of the fun of writing a multiverse and and part of the fun is that you know no one knew but me knew it was a multiverse in book one so so uh, when you uh, say multiverse most of the time that generally implies shared universe but you write these all by yourself correct no multiverse no a multiverse is there are uh think of it as like dc's uh new 52. there are 52 universes and okay. there's a superman in every one and we're in a multiverse only there's way more than 52. so but yeah hers is multiverse is not shared universe yeah okay yeah because hers is special because then i do remember that she's the only that it's the only universe in where they fell in love yes the only ver universe well that she's seen since the last time she's looked at it um but yes the only universe when kitty sees the universe wheel for the first time there's only one universe where she and jeff meet and know each other and fall in love and it's this one so yes so they are in a rare chance which is why we're following this kitty versus some of the other kitties so, i i when i read that i loved that scene yeah that yeah. really one of my favorites oh thank you thank you i like the universe wheel the universe wheel is is i think it's very interesting because i can throw them anywhere i want at any time i want with that and it opens up a whole whole mess of things i can do so um and i've kind of teased some of those things um in in kitty when she's going through and describing if she's described a universe there's a very good chance she's going to go there at some point whether it's in a novel or in a short story 
Me. Okay. All right. Next question's at you, Doc. Don't mess it up. <laughs> so everybody has their own internally consistent rules of technology. This is technology, mm -hmm. not magic, because you don't have any magic in this universe, do you? No. Okay. No. Everything that's happening is scientifically based, but you know, uh, under the Clark rule that any sufficiently oh, yeah. advanced technology um, appears as magic. So everything Algar does appears magical, but it's, he's not a magical being. So what kind of tech can we expect to see when we're reading this book? Uh, well, you're seeing a lot of the tech that we take for granted, the aliens have brought with them or created here um will you will see a uh, a cloning machine uh, uh actually several different kinds of cloning uh throughout the course of the series um you'll see different tech obviously in the steampunk universe uh when you're there uh the tech is more low low tech in um universal except for the stuff that they find that the lone alien on the planet in that universe has been creating so there's some there's some very cool tech you know like the high speed almost the speeders from um from return of the jedi only um only different more like a bicycle and things like that so most of the tech is stuff that exists or could obviously logically exist here uh in in this world because Kitty's universe may not be our exact universe, but it's close. It's a lot closer than, say, the Steampunk universe is. So it's very close to, to this one. There's not a lot of degrees of separation in from the wheel versus, you know, if, if you think of it, the way I've described it, the multiverse is that wheel going around as new slides add in. Um, so if you're over here on the wheel, if something's this close, it's a lot closer to you than something that's all the way over here. So uh, there's a lot of different tech, but it's not really a tech heavy. I mean, the gates really matter. Uh, they look like airport metal detectors and they can move you, you know, around the world. Um, but I don't spend a lot of time describing the technology because even though I can, I don't want to. Um, I do not write hard science fiction um, and I don't want to write hard science fiction. Uh, so most of my answers for tech are, it's filtered through a black hole technology with a spatio-temporal warp and we're done, right? It's like, you make of that as you will, um, but I'm just not gonna do it. So we've got spaceships and we've got all sorts of things and weapons, but I guess I never look at the tech in the same way. You know, the, the question is, what tech do you have? I'm like, do I have tech? Oh yeah, I guess I really do. It's just what makes sense, what the characters would be using, what the characters would so arrive with. Our next question typically is, what kind of tech would you use if you could t pick anything from that and have it here? Uh, I don't want the tech. I want hyperspeed. That's what I want. That that the that the uh, the uh, ACs have um, because of their metabolism, and that is what I want. Hyperspeed, in my opinion, is the most underrated of the superpowers because, God, if I could do everything like that, wouldn't it be wonderful? It would. Oh, it would. Yes. So uh, hyperspeed is what I want in terms of. Tech. How would you know. abuse having hyperspeed? We'll count hyperspeed as tech. 
Yeah, it's really not. It's a natural really thing. Really bio, but it's a it's 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 a bio it's a biological thing. Um, well, you could just get everything done and then play for the rest of the day. I mean, that just sounds so good. There's many ways to abuse it, and we won't even talk about breaking and entering and all the illegalities you can do, because if you can move that fast, that no one can see you, you can do a lot of bad things. Um, I just wanted to get all the stuff I, all the, I, I have a squirrel tendency, right? I would just like if hyperspeed. It wouldn't matter if I was squirreling, everything would still get done in like an hour. And then I could actually have the rest of the time back versus, oh, I've got to do that laundry, you know? Yeah. So. No, totally get that one. Yeah. So as a person who has. Their bed is full of laundry right now. I totally get Yeah, that. right? Yeah. No, I'm, we're not going to talk about the piles of laundry all over the house right now. Um, let's talk about fun things. So in terms, I'm trying to think of what tech would I actually want. I mean, um, if you couldn't have hyperspeed, the gates would work pretty nicely. The gates would be nice, except they'll make me sick like they make Kitty sick. And that's not exciting being violent, you know, wanting to barf your guts out, you know, just... To, so you could step over to Hawaii, but that that would be the gates would be nice. That would be nice. It would make travels easier um, and very simple. So yeah, I'll go with the gates. Thank you. We'll no luggage fees. And if, and if no you're here, this is, this is just a reminder that you probably still have laundry in your dryer as well. So you're welcome. <laughs> That's right. No, yes. I check. Please it's check your laundry. laundry. Please check your laundry. <laughs> Please check your laundry. <laughs> this has been your weekly PSA. <laughs> exactly. Please check your laundry. And we, we sympathize with wherever it is in the cycle. So since we've talked a bit about the alien biology, let's actually mm -hmm. go just touch on it a little bit more. Ha ha, punny punny. Yeah. You just like touching them because they look good. Yeah, I, I know where they you're going. They do look good. Dirty, dirty I am good. a single mom. Damn straight. Well, and just so you know, the Dazzlers, the female, that that's what Kitty's nicknamed them. They are sapiosexual, so they just want smart men or women, and they don't care beyond that. I'm not if sure you're good Jared looking and rich, have any game, Jared? Would you have any game in that case? Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> that hurts. I'm, if I wasn't so dead on the inside, I'd be crying. I know. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, this is your uh, daily pulse check. <laughs> yeah, so so how did you go about creating the aliens? Like what what was your thought process? I had none. Kitty told me all about it. I literally had I have no process. Um I, I'm not joking. That story I described is exactly how I wrote that book. The names are the names they told me. I didn't make up the names. Now I have to make up the names. Names are hard. It was awesome when the characters told me their names, but everybody can't be named James, Charles, and Tim. Though so they try. Uh, so it's like, oh my God. Um, so names are really, really hard. But in the first book, every character told me what their names were. Every character told me what they actually were. So when um ja martini says about christopher he's gay and christopher's like no i'm not and then he says reader he's gay and he's like well i actually am right i don't know this until the characters tell me so everything that happened is as it, it, it was as new for you as it was for me when i was writing it so um jeff was as kitty described him i see him in my mind um and uh the of all the covers 
that Dan or Lindsay have done, the cover for Alien Collective captured what Martini looks like perfectly, except that you can't see it on the book cover because it got mostly cut off. I have I have prints of of all my covers, and you can see it because the way the way Dan does Dan does do the prints, it curves so you can you can see it going around. And so it's like it's I'm like wow, that is exactly what he looks like. This is perfect, and no one but me and Dan gets to know what that is. <laughs> so it's very close though. That's it. I'm bringing would, you dessert. I'm coming and seeing this print. Absolutely, absolutely, and and uh, you wouldn't even have to bring dessert, but if you are, I, bonus. I, I, I like I like it's cranberry season. My favorite pie is cranberry apple. Oh, that sounds delicious. When can you come over? Uh, <laughs> so, I was just watching. Huh? Just, just for the dear listeners concerned about this somewhat schizophrenic process, we promise she's on the only the best happy pills, and she's got a good shrink. So don't worry, we're we've got her covered. He must be right. Well, she and I live in the same town, so you can come over and especially if you're bringing cranberry apple pie. No, I, I was talking about you your. I was, <laughs> oh, I was trying to be oh, funny me. about your process where the fictional characters tell you what other fictional characters look like. They do. They do. That's that's how it works. And I will tell you that authors that I am hugely suspicious of any author that says the characters don't talk to them. I'm like, uh, really? I would say the Master really? Harper of Pern, which is one of my favorite Pern books, actually was entirely because the main character kept her and she and Anne actually yeah. said, he was harassing me yes oh my god oh speaking of harassing okay i've got to talk the <laughs> pushiest character i've ever written in my life benjamin siler siler it, it comes in in alien collective which is book nine he is not even given originally given a name he is only job was to lock Kitty and Prince out of that embassy and then be suspicious, give him some clues, and die. That was his <laughs> Your and job is to die. Your but job is to well. not even get a name. Not even get a name. And as I'm writing, all of a sudden he's doing these things. He's doing this other thing. And he's doing this other thing. And he gets shot. And he's just like, oh, you can't let me die. I have, I have game, right? Oh my God, this character has shoved his way in so that not only is he a major supporting character and a huge fan favorite, but he has usurped characters that I actually liked more and wanted to have things to do. And of the, is it uh, 12 people that are zapped for, at the end of book 16 that are zapped into the steampunk universe, Oh, Buchanan's not there. Chucky's not there. You know who's there? Siler's there. Siler's going to <laughs> like, oh my God, how is this happening? The only reason he's not front and center in book 11, Alien Separation, is because he just literally cannot be for what the plot mechanism for who got dragged is. Beyond that, he'd have been there, right? I mean, he's like, I'm involved. This is the pushiest character. When I was writing, um, this is one of the shorts that's out of print, but that will be in the Alien Collection. Um, Mr. Dash Saves the World. Mr. Dash was originally supposed to be Christopher. And I'd already written Collective, and I'm starting the story. <laughs> Siler sidles up and goes, you know, Christopher is not 
the right character for that. He's not Mr. Dash. I'm like, he's the fastest man on earth. He's like, yeah, but you know, to a human, any AC is fast. I'm like, okay, fine, good point, point me. He's like, really, Christopher, can you even imagine him doing what needs to be done here? I'm like, well, he had a feel. He's like, really, no, really, no, I don't think so. I, on the other hand, this can be a prequel story of how I meet Lizzie and how Lizzie becomes my ward. And that way you can bring Lizzie in, in, in book 12, where she belongs. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, fine, 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 fine. So yeah, so he just shoves his, he is the pushiest freaking character I have ever written. And I really toyed, I, I'm like, well, maybe he could stay in the steampunk universe. And he's like, oh, not just no, but hell no, I'm coming home with everybody else. You is not rid of me yet. So for anybody worrying, Siler is in for the long haul. I cannot get rid of that character. He is the pushiest <laughs> character. And he's like the exact opposite of Jeff. Jeff just like, like if she doesn't notice me, uh, she won't do anything. Maybe she won't write. I'm just going to hide here in the corner. Please don't look at me. Everything. Oh, damn it. She looked. Right. Jeff really does not want that's the quietest character I've got. He's just like, please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. You almost kill me in every book. Please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. I'm happy at the end. Well, that's a happily ever after right there. Can't we just stop with that? No, Jeff, we can't. Please, please, can't we stop with that? No, Jeff. Don't you want more kids, Jeff? Not as much as I want to not almost die. So yeah, Jeff, get your Jeff priorities in order, guy. I know, right? Well, Siler's there to pick up the slack. Trust me. So, <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, uh, I would normally ask you if there's anything we didn't cover, but I think if we had in two hours, we probably <laughs> need to get back to podcasting school. But if we didn't cover anything, we just go back and we will. If we didn't, wait, wait, wait. If we didn't, listeners need to tell us what we need to cover, and we can do another one of these. That's right. Well, we have only talked really. God, we haven't even scratched the surface of of most of the stuff. We've only talked about one series. I have many. So, <laughs> I, I did warn back. you. I did warn you. I did warn you. I just want to be upfront. I warned you. Yeah, this, and I told you I was okay. So I mean, yay. yay. So this is the part, dear listener, where remind, we remind you that uh, sharing is caring. So if you like a book, tell your friend. Leave a review on all of the book reviewing platforms. Please, uh, please be kind and speak your mind. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. Um, and so leave those five-star reviews everywhere. Goodreads, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Do they let you review over there, Doc? Yes, they do, dork brain. All right. Book, just, all wait, wait, wait. Places. Real fast. Real fast. One-star reviews are valid. Okay. Absolutely. If you don't want to give something a five-star review, that's okay. I've probably gotten more readers on the insulting one-star reviews than I've gotten on the five stars. So you do you. Um, just please review. So I've actually had some five-star one-star reviews sell me on a book like too much cussing. Dude, I'm there. Uh, right. This is like a 12-year-old with ADHD wrote gun porn. I'm like, sign me up. Wait a minute. That was a review of my book. Never mind. But you know what I mean? Like some of those reviews... <laughs> They, they sell a book to the right readers. They do. Why they said. do. Absolutely. They absolutely do. So, and for um, a lot of people, myself included, you read the negative reviews just to see what they're saying and, and how you feel about it. And um, I've heard from so many people that if all they see are five-star reviews, they just assume that it's, they're all fake. So 
you know, yeah. it, you don't have to do five stars. Just do anything. Please, God, get some reviews up there. And if you don't like it, it does help writers get better. If you say what you didn't like instead of this is just garbage or these are not the Jimmy Dean sausages I order. If you say, hey, I didn't really Nobody like this. Nobody orders Jimmy Dean sausages. And I, that, I have to know I, I, an author who got a book review that said these are not the Jimmy Dean sausages I ordered. Well, I can I can agree with that to a certain extent. However, I don't really fucking care. Oh, sorry. If you don't like what I wrote, there are millions of books out there. I'm not changing what I'm writing because you didn't like that Jeff and Kitty had sex. Sorry. That's fair. Um, but- a baby not, had to come from somewhere. Exactly. I'm not changing what I wrote. There are plenty of authors who do that, but not all of us. So saying what you, it, it, saying what you didn't like is really helpful for a review. But assuming that an author is going to thereby take your 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 thoughts and your critique and incorporate them, that is hugely incorrect. Some people will absolutely, and some people absolutely will not. It's going to depend on the author. It's going to depend on the book. It's going to depend on the series. Um, where it is in the creative process. Yeah, so if like, you are that yeah. diehard and opinionated, offer to beta read, but you better be quick about beta reading. And you'd better be good and actually accurate. And I needed to agree with your complaints in the first place. So offer to beta read for somebody who's starting out. They can probably really use you. But uh, the assumption that you leave a detailed review about everything you did and didn't like and the author is going to take that into consideration is an assumption. Some authors will. Most are not going to. I was actually assuming that would be good for other readers if they know. It's it's good for readers if you say, yes, it's really good for a review. It's very good for a review to give what you did and didn't like um, in as in-depth as as you want. I hated it or I loved it isn't usually enough for somebody to determine if they're on the fence to determine whether they do or don't want to get it. But your in-depth critique is not going to necessarily be helpful to the author. The authors, in some cases, will never read them. I know authors who will never, ever look at a review because it affects them too much. Um, And just just because Joe Blow said he didn't like something has absolutely no impact on my creative process, regardless of what it was. And if like, ooh, this word was misspelled, hey, that happens. I know several who've turned it into a drinking game. Yeah, uh, right. So you, yeah. you listening, right. Joe Blow? We know you're actually one of our listeners. Uh, she right. didn't mean you. The other Joe. The other Joe. The other Joe. The, the lame Joe. The lame Joe. So the yeah. So I, I really think detailed is helpful for other readers, but don't go into it thinking that you're going to affect your author's um, creative process because you're probably not. Fair. I, I misspoke, but uh, I blame the fact that it's like. Whatever time Great it is, you're listening. Eleven thirty. Well, it's eleven thirty out here. It's not eleven thirty where you are, so I'm not going to accept that. He's in our time zone. Oh, is he? All right. He's just really concussed. Yeah, I mean, I've only been blown up twenty-seven <laughs> times though, so I mean, I've still got some well, left yeah. in me. You do. So, you do. You know, strangely more enough, you're not the most blown up person I've known. Uh, yeah, I'm, I've met worse. I, I volunteer at the uh, the quadriplegic ward at the VA. So you're right. Uh, there's always someone who's got it worse. There so uh, as we bring this puppy to a close, Jenny, can you tell listeners how they can find you? And as usual, all the links will be in the show notes. Okay, great. Um, my website, uh, www.jennycoch.com. I'm on Facebook far much more than I should be. And I have... Um, <laughs> Just as myself and uh, Ginny Koch author, Ginny Koch author, Hairspray and Rock and Roll, 
author of the Alien Catherine Kitty Cat series, which is not a page I made, but a page I had to claim really quickly before some weirdo did. Um, I'm on uh, Twitter as at Ginny Koch, no spaces. And I'm on Pinterest, and um, I love Pinterest jokes. So if you have some, uh, please feel free to send them. Uh, it looks like I'm on Instagram, but I'm really not. So please don't message me because I'll never see it. Uh, and that's about it for the social medias. So right. Pinterest is how I, I'm I'm ADHD, and I once described it. Somebody who didn't know it um, was a very big Pinterest person. I had no clue how to understand ADHD, and I went, it's like the pictorial representation of ADHD. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, it is. And I love it. It's okay. It's okay, but it is definitely that. like. That is exactly it, and I think that's why I love it, because I can just over any yeah. anything, anytime. I'm very careful. I go on Pinterest about once a month. Because I, once I'm there, it's this massive time suck, and I look up, and eight hours are gone, and I'm like, "Wow, what did I do?" Pictorial <laughs> representation of ADHD. Yes. All right. Speaking of ADHD, let's get back on track, Doc. Uh, you can follow <laughs> us on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tacky and tech blades, anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades. We're on the Twitters at SF underscore fantasy underscore show, Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Again, blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. We have a Facebook group where all the shenanigans happen. It's facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast again backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast that's where seska and i go to bicker like a bunch of 12 year olds i win though so it, it's it's totally okay you uh, won when did you win whenever i say i won so you could support the <laughs> show delusion only delusions work like that whatever uh um you can support the show at anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades where the reoccurring subscription model like on patreon or you can do a one-time donation over there on buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr handley again buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr handley and uh be sure to put in the comment section that it's for the podcast we will keep the lights on the show going and doc saska and nick garber duly intoxicated they will drink until their liver surrenders never surrender that's the answer we expect from you. Nobody All right, likes so. a quitter. Nobody likes That's a quitter. Right. Bring it home. Put or the wine down for long enough to do this. Come on. But you it loves the wine. It loves me back. <laughs> Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us or a lot of your precious time with us. A lot a tonight. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. You Trust me. You are amazing and glorious, and I can't wait to have okay. you back. For the absentee Nick Garber, who totally is going to be bummed out because he missed a great show, J.R. Handley, who has to steer this train, <laughs> I'm Seska. This was a Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be next back next time to indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, picking on J.R., and of course, seeing what mischief we get up to next. And not putting pineapple on pizza.